This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. On this week's Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. That's not a soccer ball, that's my head. The Museum of Disgusting Food. Our tribute to Ron Britton. Breaking in to an escape room. And Rick's brush with former Vice President Dan Quayle. All that in unlimited tangents on Minutia Men. Be sure to listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, informed automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon. Luke Costable is taking a little time off, so we have invited our man in the field, Roger Rexrode, out of that cornfield that he uh, stands in most of the time and sends me all the texts about uh, things that he sees in his daily life. And uh, Roger, I'd like to welcome you back to the Car Guys Report. And I always want to stress a couple of things that, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Roger's last name is actually Rex Road. We're not making that up. So I always think it's nice, Roger, to have a car guy like you along uh, on the show, especially when you've got a name that befits the topic, right? <laughs> That's right. And I'm, and I'm from Detroit. So I that's the other Miami. good thing. Yeah. I just wanted to say real quick, um, you know, you've been on the show uh, numerous times already and certainly appreciate you taking the time out of your uh, busy schedule to join us here on the uh, Car Guys Report in person. And just wanted to real quickly uh, go over your background again. I know that you are from Detroit and that um, I think my favorite story from you is you've had relatives or, or your grandmother, I think it was, that have actually worked on the lines, the assembly lines in Michigan. And wasn't it your grandmother that w- worked for Dodge or Plymouth? She, she did. She she worked for the uh, the famous uh, Dodge main uh, plant that built the uh, Barracudas. That's, uh, I believe it's on the Detroit Hamtramck. Well, it is on the Detroit Hamtramck border, but I'm not sure which side of uh, the road is uh, Detroit and Hamtramck for sure. So... And she was the one where you had the story where she had to do something like in the trunk, like the ceiling or something, and then she she knew how to <laughs> pop the lid before they have the release handles like they do now. Yeah, she used to say when there was times where if the trunk closed for whatever reason, she just knew how to pop the trunk and get out and get into the next car and so, do whatever. So she I, never, would... I never asked. I never asked her what her job in particular was, what she was doing in there. I mean, she might have just been doing something simple like installing rear speakers in the car. Yeah, or weather stripping or gluing something yeah. in or whatever. But I think it's totally cool that that you have oh, that, yeah. especially being a woman too, working on the line fifty plus years ago too, was something that oh, yeah. wasn't all yeah. that common. Yeah, she would have been uh, probably like somewhat in her forties. Okay. but you know, I don't think she, I don't think she worked there for a particularly long time. So, but those were good jobs back then. They were high paying, great benefits, yeah, absolutely. And, and and basically, that just when when Detroit was just cranking out millions and oh. millions of cars a year. Or so, but it's funny because I guess she would be safe if she ever got kidnapped and stuffed in the trunk because she'd be able to get out <laughs> automatically. Yeah, have, there, there was no uh, glowing glow in, handle. Yeah, glow in the dark then. handle. Exactly. Um, And what we're going to talk about, uh, Roger, obviously, you know, but I want to let our listeners know uh, for this episode, we're going to deviate 
a little bit from our standard format because usually when we have you on, we like to kind of do a special uh, topics. And we're going to talk about uh, modern muscle cars. And this is kind of a, a neat topic because, as you know, Roger, I just purchased a brand new 2020 Dodge Challenger. And I'm kind of new to the whole modern muscle thing because this is the first true modern muscle car that I've owned. And when we mean modern, we're meaning cars that muscle cars that have been produced probably within the last 10 to 15 years that have all the modern amenities, airbags, crumple zones, uh, you know, ABS brakes, uh, with the exception of the Viper when it first came out. But, uh, you know, either automatic or, or uh, manual transmissions, um, you know, the full air conditioning, power windows, uh, power locks, crews, full multimedia systems, all the stuff that you expect in a modern car, but then coupled with what is traditionally uh, known as muscle, you know, high horsepower, uh, good acceleration, good handling, uh, a rear cool wheel drive, uh, usually a two door. Um, and just a mean, you know, mean look and things like that. So I, one, I, I know you haven't seen my car yet, but I wanted to just real quick, cause I know I was talking about Maserati Gran Turismo's and a few other things to replace the Corvette. And I ended up getting the, the Dodge Challenger. What was your initial reaction when I first told you via email that I got the, uh, I got the Challenger. Were you surprised? I was very surprised because uh, that, that with all the amenities that you mentioned, that makes for a comfortable daily driver. And you have the uh, Fiat 500 and you have your, your Porsche SUV, which would kind of do both. So I was trying to figure out where does the uh, Challenger fit in. And for the listeners, why don't you tell everybody what in particular, which version or flavor of the Challenger? <laughs> which flavor? The, I have probably, it, it's probably the second highest version. You have the base models, which are the SXTs. Those are the V6s. Then mm-hmm. you have the base RT, which has the 5.7 liter Hemi V8. Then you have the Scat Pack, which is what I have. That's got the 392 uh, powered by SRT uh, 392 Hemi V8, which is 485 horsepower, 475 pound-feet of torque, and then... And the engine is painted Hemi orange? It's Actually, the, the engine block is orange, yeah. The valve covers are still black, but they say powered by right. SRT on them, yeah. But the, but the block is orange, and then the top of the line, of course, is the uh, various flavors of the Hellcat, which is the supercharged 6.2 liter, so it's actually a, a slightly smaller engine than the 392, but then they stack the supercharger on top of it which gives you an excess of 700 horsepower well the red eye is actually the top dog yeah well i'm saying yeah there's there's or there's the new super stock now too i think is what they're calling oh yeah it. yeah um, they I'm keep very, changing it to, so it's a little I, hard I'm to keep up i'm scratching my head with all of these versions i mean i think it's great though ago. because they're keeping the you know the the, the body the, the challenger the, the current challenger has been around now for 12 years which is pretty long without a significant remake in the body but they've upgraded the interior they've changed the hood five or six times already depending on what flavor you get um you know mm-hmm. obviously the wheel packages have gotten better the braking packages and then the engine of course so they they're, yes. they're keeping it fresh from that standpoint and i i'm always the kind that kind of likes that because i'm still old school in a lot of ways and i don't want to get bogged down on this topic but you know i can live with certain modern amenities in a car uh, as far as the, the electronic driver aids, but I don't need uh, blind spot monitoring, although I have it on the on the Challenger because it came as one of the packages that I had no choice to to delete because I wanted the leather Al- Alcantara seats. So that comes with the convenience package, which comes with the blind spot monitoring, but I don't have automatic emergency braking um, 
or I don't have, you know, distronic automatic cruise control and all that kind of garbage, which is fine. And one well, thing I'm really happy to. monitoring is a good thing. It's to not have bad. I have, I have, yeah, because it's a wide, big car and the, the, the three quarter. Yeah, car. the C pillar yeah, rear vision. And I have the audio turned off, so all I have is a little triangle that lights up on the mirrors, which is fine. Right. So it's not intrusive from that standpoint. And, um, I was just going to say something else before you interrupted me, but uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's OK. Lighted. No, I, I'm just kidding. I oh, and one thing, one thing that that I'm really glad that uh, Dodge did not do on this car is there is no start stop on this car, which is fantastic because that is my biggest pet peeve with new cars. And I think they realized that, hey, this is a muscle car. Don't put automatic start-stop on it, and they didn't, which is great. One thing that it does have, because I do have an automatic on it, and it only comes with the automatic, is it has the the multi-displacement system, so it actually reverts to four-cylinder operation when you're at certain speeds and in certain gears to save gas. But it's pretty seamless. You don't really feel it. Uh, You can dial up one of the... um, uh, digital gauges and it and it'll show you whether you're in four cylinder or eight cylinder but that that's not a big deal because th- those systems are pretty standard across the line in a lot of different cars these days and these systems have gotten a lot better too they're a lot smoother than they used to be it's not like the old caddy remember the cadillac v8 six four yeah, they the had emblem, the emblem <laughs> that was in ni- that was in 1980 yeah. and it, it had an emblem on the side that said four eight six yeah and uh you know, but back to your point about the cylinder deactivation, there, there's, I'm sure you've seen this, it's, uh, it, it does have a uh, uh, repercussions on the camshaft because it's something with the, uh, how the engine fires and it, it only fires on the four cylinders yeah. and it's, it, 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 there's, I, I want to see how that's going to be going down the road. So are you saying there's a, a there's potential reliability or durability issues or? Yeah, there, it's already been proven already. GM had the, um, uh, active fuel management AFM, and I, I, I know that's pro- maybe because it was an early system, but just by the pure nature of how the system works, you can kind of understand why there could be a problem with it down the road. So it'd be nice if they would get rid of that as well as the. Um, like I said, it only comes with the automatic because I, I don't think there's right. a way they could reliably do it with a with a with a manual transmission because you'd be shifting too much and it wouldn't know where to go. Uh, because this thing only kicks in once you're in like, because it's got that eight-speed ZF uh, auto in there. Right. And I think it only kicks in once you're in like sixth gear or whatever. But um, but even so, I mean, theoretically, if it if it's only running on four cylinders, so you you take 485 horsepower and divide it by two, you still have 282 horsepower <laughs> or 242 yeah, yeah. horsepower powering you just when you're trundling down the road, not needing much power. So that still isn't that bad. But sure. But it's just something that, you know, there's some of the stuff you can't get away from, I guess, is what I'm saying. But but at least right. Dodge was smart enough not to put start-stop in, which I'm really happy about. And I, I just love the look of the car. I love the rims. It's got 20-inch rims. I love the – I got indigo blue, which is this really kind of bright, medium electric blue, which looks very, very, very vaguely purple in certain light only. But, you know, 95% of the time, it's just this bright electric blue. I've got the black uh, Napa leather with Alcantara seats with the Scat Pack logo, which is cool. It's got 392, it says 392 on the right side of the dashboard. And then it's got the 392 logos on the front fenders with the, with the Scat Pack uh, Bumblebee logo. And one thing I noticed, too, that, like I was saying, they, they did a lot of incremental changes to this car. Some of the earlier Scat Packs had, had the Bumblebee logo on the front fenders, but they said 6.4L instead of 392. Yeah. And I actually think, I'm glad 
glad mine says 392 because 6.4 L for an American muscle car just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, most people go like, what's that? <laughs> you know, but a 392, now, people know so what that is. So you've described your car pretty well. Now, do you have, you said you have the 20 inch wheels. Do you have the, uh, the matte charcoal gray? I have uh, what, wheels? yeah, I have what they call, uh, it's called low gloss granite crystal uh, finish, which is the standard rim. And it's uh, basically low, low gloss uh, granite crystal means just kind of a matte uh, graphite gray. So yeah. it's it's a very uh, good looking rim, and it's got a little bit of contrast, but not a lot. And they're they're low they're they're matte finish, which I like. I don't like the the gloss rims. Yeah, that explanation is very non American car sounding. It sounds like something you'd hear from a European. Yeah, exactly. A very long bunch of words that you just, <laughs> just use to describe matte charcoal gray. That's that. Yeah, exactly. But that's what that's what Dodge uses on the on the <laughs> on their description. So, and like I said, the only options my car has is obviously the Scat Pack. It's got the the automatic. It's got the upgraded interior, and then when you get the upgraded interior, you have to get the convenience package, which is blind spot monitoring, rear cross path detection, and HID headlights, which are fine. And then um, it has the the only other option it has on it is the thousand uh, dollar larger SRT spoiler on the back. So it's a little bit bigger than the standard spoiler, but it's not too Fancy big. That's the aggression. It, you know, the what aggression I like about great. it, yeah, what I like about it is that it kind of balances out the car front to back because the front has that big chin spoiler in front, and then you've got this slightly larger but not oversized rear spoiler, and it kind of just balances the, the, the car out front to rear. And the main, main thing I've noticed about the car in, you know, I've only got like 500 miles on it so far, but it's just a big car. And, and that, I know that it was one of the major um, things that people would maybe hold against this car for muscle cars. It's an awfully large car, and it is. It's big. You can see the hood, which well, I like. Well, it is built on the Chrysler 300. Exactly, it is, yeah. It, you know. Yeah, and it's a wide car. It's 4,200 pounds, which isn't super porky these days that's about average but um you know i'm not going to be tracking this car i would like to take it to a drag strip at some point i'm um, glad you said that no i do because yeah because i know you said that you know your car is made for it it is because it's got line it's lock it's it. got all the launch controls it's got all that wow. stuff is amazing yeah i mean it's so cool that's got all that stuff built it's a in 12 second car in a quarter mile it right? should be yeah um i haven't i i'm assuming it should do at least a 12.5 probably at about 115 to maybe 120 miles an hour and zero to sixty, I think, is is rated at like mid fours, but I think it could do better than that. I think it should be down to the low fours, but I mean that's still very good performance. So yeah, your mile an hour is going to be more in the one fourteen, one fifty. Yeah, that's one, yeah. Well, I think that one twenty would be a little runs, high. The, yeah, the Hellcats run about one hundred and twenty five hundred twenty six, and you're talking seven oh seven, seven seventeen, or seven ninety seven in the case of the red eyes. So, yeah. Uh, horse, horsepower equates to mile per hour. Yeah, so. yeah, because yeah, the torque gets you moving, and then the horsepower yes. keeps you moving, <laughs> so, yep, more yep, or less. There you so. go. Right. If right. you like the uh, Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. It's available on Spotify. All you have to do is go to opishows dot com. You can also email us uh, with all your comments, suggestions, uh, kudos, complaints. Uh, if you have a question for Roger, ask him uh, how he likes living in the field. Anything you want to uh, send us an email 24 7 it's our mailbox is open uh 24 7 car guys report at hotmail.com is our email address um 
We've already kind of touched on this, but I wanted to, to get into the definition of modern muscle. Uh, basically, what I what I said is, you know, 10 to 15 years, last 10 to 15 years, cars that are either I don't really think there's been any clean sheet so supposedly designs. I mean, the Mustang's been around, continually refined. The Camaro was around for a while, then it took some years off, then it was reintroduced. Same thing with the Challenger uh, and the Dodge Charger came back as a four-door. Um, I can't really think of any totally clean sheet designs that have popped up, at least as far as American muscle is concerned. Maybe the GTO, but that came from Australia. And uh, so we're kind of looking at cars that either have had a heritage that have been re- redefined or reimagined, as they say these days, for modern uh, circumstances. Uh, do you have anything to add to that? I, I do. Uh, my buddy and I had this conversation uh, last week about, and I'm usually pretty rigid on certain things, but I, I've really come around on um, you can't use the original formula of what a muscle car was, which for our listening audience, they would know from the mid-60s, it was your intermediate car, and then it had a high-performance package and was aimed at the youth market. So it was always that plain wrapper car with the high-performance drivetrain and brighter paint, uh, nicer wheels, dual exhaust. But now, you don't. that segment does not exist anymore. So what they have now is they've taken what was called a pony car back in the day, which is the Challenger, the Mustang, and the Camaro, and to a certain extent, the Charger as well, because that's a big brooding car. That is a modern muscle car. The Chevy SS would be in that genre as well, even though they do not make that anymore because of the holding going away. But that is what a modern muscle car is today. So I've come around on that. I, I just have to accept it. Well, how, how do you define a pony car? Because I know I'm, I'm familiar with that, too. I mean, it was kind of the beginning. I mean, because wasn't the GTO considered the, the original muscle car, more or less? It was the, fir- it was the first, quote-unquote, muscle car, and I am and 100% agreement. The, the 64 GTO was the first muscle car. But, like, to answer your question, a pony car was a, a smaller even sportier car that was a little bit more nimble so you could go out and you know race it in which they had the trans am racing in the late 60s early 70s and originally like the z28 for instance that was uh the camaro Camaro was uh, gm's answer to the mustang so the original 67 z28 it had a high winding uh, 302, uh, and they had the DZ engine with the dual quad 302, high compression, and it was it was set up for track racing. So it was a a car maybe, it, and it still would go fast in a straight line. But this car could actually, for its time, it could steer a little bit. So you're saying the pony cars were were more set up for they they could compete well on a track, meaning curves. And right. now we tend to think of a muscle car being more performance oriented at the drag strip versus on a track. Is that what you're kind of saying? Absolutely. There are videos. I mean, like you you have the Challenger, so you basically have the the biggest of the modern muscle cars. But anybody anybody can go on YouTube and see there's a guy that was out there. He was ham-fisting a... A, a Hellcat on a Nurburgring, and and I I got to tell you that is I mean this guy knew how to drive because that's a big car yeah. with 707 horsepower on that road that that road you've seen videos of yeah. wrecks it's easy but this guy knew what he was doing it's a very entertaining so I don't video think he's ham fisting it then if he knows what he's doing 
Oh, when you watch the video, this guy is, he's, he, 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 if you could see under his uh, under his long sleeve shirt, I think he was wearing, that guy was flexing. That, that's yeah. a big car to handle out there. Yeah. It, it, can, it can do it, but I don't know about how many laps in a row you could do because them brakes are getting worked. Oh, you know, the whole, everything's 40. heating up. Your differential, yeah. your transmission, everything. And especially with all the Absolutely. modern electronics. I don't know how many times I read in a car magazine when they're doing a test on a hot day and it's not, doesn't even have to be on a, at a track like the Nürburgring uh, where they say like, well, we tried to do the whatever, whatever, but uh, the differential overheated and the car went into limp home mode and we had to wait for it to cool off. I'm like, come on, yeah. you know. Um, and also the, and also the further expand on the pony car now back in the late 60s with the you know with the the, the Mustang and the Camaro because the Challenger didn't come out come out till till 70 but you had and then the Cuda so they kind of they had the Barracuda but that wasn't really the same thing until 1970 but they did put big blocks in the Mustangs and the Camaro so they kind of were like well maybe we could like dip into both markets, the people that like the pony cars, and we'll, we'll put a 396 in a Camaro, and then you know, then you get people like Nikki and Bulb in Motion that would take a, a, a 427, an all aluminum 427, and put in the Camaro, and then you know, you had the Mustang with the Super Cobra Jet 428. So they kind of had their foot in both paths after after their initial launches. So they couldn't help themselves. So you're just saying it kind of evolved. I mean, then obviously it, by the mid seventies, everything was strangled with emissions. So uh, with the exception of the, uh, 73, 74 Trans Am super duty, yeah. that was a four fifty five low yep. compression neck. That, that car kicked ass. Yeah. Um, cause I know like my 75 formula 400 firebird, has a 400 in it, but it's like 195 horsepower. It's pathetic, right. you know? Yeah, it's pretty anemic um, back yeah, then. It's, it's pretty scary. So when uh, the muscle cars obviously kind of faded away for a while, and then they, I mean, the Corvette's always been around. I don't know if you would consider the, I've never really considered the Corvette to be a muscle car because it's, it's actually, it's always been a two-seater, and I don't really consider a muscle car to be a, a strict two-seater. I usually a look Corvette at it as. Corvette is never a muscle yeah, car. Yeah, that's, that's why I wouldn't, ever. I wouldn't think Ever. that uh if you disagree let us know at carguysreport at hotmail.com but um you know i've always looked at muscle cars being basically two-door uh sedans uh, or they could be hard tops too i guess um mm-hmm. but then obviously when the when dodge reintroduced the charger they brought it out as a four-door so and then you know you mentioned the chevy ss which is a was a four-door uh same as the um same uh, same chassis i believe as the pontiac g8 and yes. they're all holding designs. Um, mm-hmm. So do you think a, four, a modern muscle car, you know, you said you agree having the char- Charger be a four-door. Is, and I do agree that I think the wide body, the new wide body Charger is just a totally badass looking car. Menacing. Yeah. Well, the thing with the Charger is, is that people have to remember with the Charger, obviously, real quick, the... Charger came out in 1966, and it was a two-door. And then by the mid-'70s, uh, I think the Charger was um, – you had the, I think they had a Charger, and then you had the Cordoba, and you mm-hmm. had the Magnum. So you, you, and, then, and then if you – a lot of people don't remember this. In the early-'80s, they actually slapped the Charger name on a, on a hatchback Omni. Yeah, so, I think I do remember that, yeah. 
So uh, the that, fact that they're was that, that the Dodge O two four or whatever the thing was called? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, but they had but they had a separate one yeah. that was actually just, it was just called the Charger. And then and then the uh, with the reintroduction of the Charger as a as a four door, it, it it you 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 can't really pigeonhole it because they and they also put the name Challenger on the Mitsubishi imported car in the late yep. in the late seventies. Yep, it was I remember that. A, it was called a yeah, and they had the Plymouth Sapporo, mm-hmm. which was. Uh, so you, so they've kind of bastardized the name a little bit. So I'm cool with with them having a uh, the Charger as a four door because it is a menacing car. Yeah, it, it is really a menacing is. car, and I think I th- actually I think it's it's a brilliant marketing move from uh, from Chrysler because of the fact that sure, there's people like me. I don't have any kids, so I can buy anything I want. You have a family. And, you know, I was surprised when I first met you like five years ago. You have a family and you were driving your Fiat Abarth, <laughs> which is like not exactly yeah, the uh, family-friendly car. Um, it is for a newborn because that, that baby well, uh, uh, care fit, fit in the back, no problem. But not anymore, right? Because you don't have that oh, car anymore. Well, no. you got a four-door. So that's anymore. why it was a brilliant move from, from Chrysler because of the fact that, okay, we can satisfy both the guy that wants, you know, "Quote unquote," a pure muscle car in something like the Challenger, but then the guy that's got a family, or maybe his wife wants to drive the car every now and then, or you have to pick up the kids at school or whatever. You need a four door, but you still want their performance. So let's make a four door muscle car in the in the vein of the Charger. That that's a great idea, and that's what you read a Absolutely. lot because people that you, you read that those are the people that are buying the, the Charger. I would, you know, I'm not a four door guy, but I do really like the. the I know wide you're body. not. <laughs> yeah, but I do like the wide body charge Charger. I think it's awesome. So we've talked about some of the current muscle cars, current modern muscle. I mean, in the American uh, sense of things, we've got the Camaro, the Mustang, the Challenger, the Dodge Charger. Is there anything else that you would consider to be a American modern muscle car that's available right now? Not American. I know we're going to talk about uh, European and Japanese. Yeah, which yeah that's a little bit a later. Couple, in the but program. as far as America, you got there's a number of uh, Camaro, uh, Camaro uh, variants and Mustang variants. You have GT350, 350R, the GT500. Yeah. I mean, they have the EcoBoost, which is just that's basically to get your regular consumer because that that's the engine that replaced the uh, V6 in the in the uh, Mustang. Yeah, and then and then Camaro does the same thing. They actually still have. You can a four-cylinder, can't you? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, it's, a, it's yeah, it's the same engine they use in the Cadillac and in the Cadillacs, and it's a corporate engine, and it is like so unmarketed. They even have a a ZL1 uh, four-pot turbo, but nobody knows about wow. it because everybody goes right to the uh, the V8, and even the V6 is 323 horsepower in the Camaro, but you well, know, same thing with the Challenger. V6. I think the base V6 and the Challenger is like. 300 horsepower very close to it or something yeah it, it, and, and you can also get the challenger sxt with all-wheel drive which unfortunately the car sits up a little bit higher uh for some reason chrysler cars like uh, 10 years ago when they had the charger all-wheel drive for some reason the the, the chrysler all-wheel drive full-size cars the suspension sits a little too high a lot yeah. of wheel well gap yeah um so I know. Could, can you still get a four cylinder in the in the Mustang too? I thought they still had that. Of course did, they do. I have to, they do. They, okay. They have the EcoBoost. Okay. Yeah, they have and they have two versions of the EcoBoost. Well, I know they the EcoBoost a, you can get as a V six, so that's what I was thinking. I was pretty sure you could still get a. Not in the Mustang. Not in the Mustang. Okay, but you There's can get. No it's EcoBoost like a two point. Mustang. Is it a two three? 
two point three. Two point three, which yeah. they've had they've had that displacement since the uh, original Fox body in the late nineteen seventies. Yeah. So your base eco boost is three hundred horsepower, and then they they also now have an eco boost uh, performance pack, which has a, a slightly detuned version of the Focus RS engine, which was three hundred and fifty. Yeah. So in the Mustang, it makes three hundred and thirty horsepower. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of range there. I wouldn't absolutely. I wouldn't exactly consider though the base models to be muscle cars just because to me the definition of a muscle car is it's got to have a v8 in it um well i disagree wholeheartedly okay because i owned i owned an 87 buick grand national and it made 355 foot pounds of torque at 2000 rpm and it was faster than the corvette in 1987 okay well, and that's what you were saying, too, before we, we started uh, the program here off mic, we were talking, and you said that you've only actually owned technically one modern muscle car, and that would be that's the, it. would be, it's kind of a mod, mid, mid-modern, maybe, according I to our definition, classic. but modern classic, yeah. Modern yeah. Classic. But, um, and it was that, it was an 87 Grand National that had the V6 with one giant turbo on it, right? Um, I wouldn't call it giant, but I, I did have a bigger turbo swap and bigger injectors, uh, three-inch uh, downpipe, all the uh, supporting modifications, big front-mounted intercooler. Um, yeah, it was it, it was a uh, when I had the car, I had it for five years uh, when it had 120,000 miles on it when I sold it and had a very tired transmission <laughs> and wiped wiped out valve springs and it still ran a a 12.6 at 109 miles per hour. Wow! Wow! And it was fast then, but not now. That's nothing now. It, oh, no, of course not. What did you replace that car with? Um, <laughs> well, I sold, I sold, I did the mature thing with the big air quotes. I was like 29 years old and sold the car, and um, I actually bought my first new car, which was a Ford Contour SVT. So oh, okay. A, and, and, uh, a rare you know, car these days, too. Yeah, you don't you see know, the contours, and especially the SVT ones. That was actually yeah, a good so car. Yeah, I replaced it with a, a family car. It was a four-door, and I wanted something that had a little scoot to it and handled good, and I had a four-door. And at the time, I was married the first time, and my kids were, uh, they, they were definitely small enough to fit in the car. And it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. And indirectly, that's the car that, that you know, brought me to the uh, Chicagoland area. Mm-hmm. So, um, Now, you know, when I went shopping, uh, when I decided in the last four or five, six months or whatever it's been, uh, maybe maybe late last year that I started to get interested in modern muscle cars. Um, I didn't even cross shop the Mustang, um, partly just because I'm just not a big Ford guy. I've never owned a Ford. Uh, I just can't get that. Did you ever drive one? No, I just can't get that enthused about them. Um, I know they're good, wow. but okay. um, and then the Camaro I looked at briefly. Uh, but I just thought that, the, and again, you know, I'm, I'm probably biased now because I own one, but um, I just think the Challenger has a lot of value in it for what, you know, for what you pay and what you get. I think it's a, it's a really high value car. And I was looking forward to actually buying into a, uh, a brand that I've never owned before. I mean, I've got the Fiat, which is, you know, under the FCA umbrella, but I've never owned sure. a Dodge, never owned a Mopar. So, um, well, the Camaro, the, the new Camaro, you would have to look at it. That's the problem. I just don't like the the look of it that much. Yeah, it's too. It's, the, it's the, the windows are too. Gasoline. Yeah, the, the the windows are too gun slitty. Uh, meaning, you know, really high belt line and the little narrow vision of the windows. And I like angles on cars. Don't get me wrong, but again, the the, the Camaro to me is just a little, just too. I don't know. It just 
It, you're the right. Camaro's it doesn't look very good. very capable of the three cars. The Camaro is supposed to be the absolute best handling. It is, yeah. The ZL1 magnetic, or whatever the, yep, the top of the, the line magnetic, you get. It's got the magnetic uh, ride suspension. Yeah. So it, it is a great capable track car but i mean how many people really go to the track with the cars and like i said i'm sorry if anybody has a new camaro on our listening audience but that front end is absolutely ghastly <laughs> the challenger the challenger is absolutely the most authentic modern looking version yeah of its predecessor. right yeah that I and the mustang the, I, too but i prefer I, um yeah, but I prefer the Mustang uh, just because I'm a little bit more of a. Uh, I would want something that would handle a little bit. Yeah, better. that that not is the big a, criticism. I'm not a professional. Yeah, I'm not a professional driver, but I mean, I just I love the new Mustang, the uh, the GT uh, 350, the Heritage Edition. That is a stunning car. It's, yeah. it's got the Wimbledon white paint with the original color stripes, and uh, it's. If you get the R, you get the carbon fiber wheels, which I would take yeah, off those the car are, and put yeah, a yeah. I put something. <laughs> I put a. I put like a modern twenty-inch retro wheel on there and put those carbon fiber wheels <laughs> to the side. <laughs> Just keep them in pristine condition, so when you sell the sure. car, you can say, "Hey, I've got the Absolutely. carbon fiber rims here." Yep. Now, uh, Roger, I already made my decision on what I would want, obviously, because I bought the the Challenger. If you were to buy a modern muscle car right now, money no object, you know, U.S. modern muscle. What would what what would it be for you? It would be the car that I just said, the uh, GT uh, 350 Heritage Edition. Okay. Uh, but I would I would have to put a uh, a retro modern size wheel on it because okay. the carbon fiber wheels they look okay. But if you're gonna go retro, I want the wheels retro. That's my biggest beef with something like yeah. the Bullet. And then the new Mach One is. I'm so upset that they are bringing that name out of retirement again and yeah. they're putting it on that car. It's basically a colored bullet. But it was also brought to my attention by a friend of mine that they did use the Mach 1 name on the, the, the Mustang from 71 to 73, and they also used the Mach 1 name on the Mustang 2. Yeah, that's what I, I kind of remember. And I remember yeah, a white mind. version of the, of the Mustang 2 with, with the blue stripes. Well, they, that was, uh, yeah, they had, I think they had, the, well, uh, that they one did was a Cobra King version. Cobra. Yeah. The King Cobra. But see, my thing is, you should you should because the car looks so retro to me a Mach 1 has to have a shaker hood the new one doesn't it doesn't have the louvered back window it doesn't have that that spoiler with the little bar on each side with the flat black yeah. on the back and the wheels are they're bullet wheels it should have a modern Magnum 500 in the early 2000s they did a Mach 1 Mustang it had the shaker it had the right spoiler and it had a 17 inch version of the of the magnum 500 wheel so they did a great job on the early 2000s mustang mach 1 and this one is a parts bin special yeah well speaking of shaker hoods you know out of the the three that we've pretty much delineated as modern muscle from the u.s you can still get a shaker hood on the challenger which is pretty That's cool great. they do it right they do it they they, they do it right they got the the one thing I don't like what they do on some of the challengers is if you have the top fender and the hood black, yeah. and then the shaker is body color, and it looks like an island. You know, you got the yeah, I, black, and then if you, you know, I don't like that. The only thing that turned, because I actually that. considered the shaker option for a while, but I didn't like all the black, the hood, and then they do the roof with, with a, they paint, the, as far as I could tell, because I did a little research on it, and I was looking at some of the forums, I think the hood is actually painted, and then they do a wrap on the the roof and on the trunk panel 
but it's in like in that matte black. And I just didn't want well, Mark, that. And then less the detail. It's, it's less the detail. Yeah, but I don't know that. how that would hold up. And people were saying, like, can I take this off? And just all kinds of stuff. I just didn't want to go there. I just r- would rather just have, you know, one one color. Because some of the yeah, you can yeah. get a whole bevy of, of different striping options on the Challenger. You can get the bumblebee stripe or whatever, the thing that goes around the, the rear of the uh, trunk and the, the rear fenders. And then you can get the, the shaker stuff that we're talking about. Then you get these TA stripes on the side and just a you, lot of different things. No, 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 no. Well, that's well, that's what well, I could, but I, I don't want challenge. to. Right. Well, that's the thing with the Challenger is they really have something for everybody. Well, exactly, that and that's they good. They really do. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and that that makes a lot of a, a lot of sense. And um, speaking of that, I, one of the things that we always do on the program is talk about a car that's either uh, for sale or recently sold, usually found online. And I wanted to uh, fit this one in because it fits in with our topic here. Uh, GR Auto Gallery up in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. They have locations in uh, Detroit and Traverse City, Michigan as well. Um, why does this sound like a commercial? Well, it's not a commercial, but uh, that's the place <laughs> where uh, I've bought and sold uh, a number of my cars. I've got my Corvette on on consignment there right now they they have a great selection of cars at any given time and uh recently i don't know if it has uh, sold already or not but recently on their uh, site they had a two, uh, 2018 dodge srt demon widebody now the thing about this car even though it's a 2018 you would basically call this car new because it had a grand total of 10 miles on it which is delivery mileage because when i picked up my challenger i think it had like 11 miles on it this thing is octane red it's stickered at ninety-one thousand, ninety-one point five. Uh, K, so $91,500. Uh, GR Ga- Auto Gallery had this on uh, sale for one twenty nine nine. Hundred twenty nine thousand nine hundred. It's got the six point two liter supercharged V eight, of course, eight speed automatic, eight hundred and eight horsepower with ninety one octane gas, eight hundred and forty horsepower with one hundred octane, top speed of two hundred and two miles an hour, zero to sixty in two point three seconds, zero to a hundred in five point one and a quarter mile nine point six five at one hundred and forty. So it's just the demons are very okay, cool. Those, those quarter, yeah, those quarter mile numbers. Uh, I don't know if any. Everybody's actually, actually even done that. that. Yeah, but they, they've gotten they close. It. But they've they it's been sub ten seconds though. I know that. I'm pretty sure they've 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 broken the ten second barrier on those. Um, when I because I, I remember I thought there was people that said they had turned like a nine seven or a nine eight or something like that. But whatever, it's a hell of a lot of uh, performance bad. for you know with a car that's got a warranty. Now the, the big question, and, and and Lou and I have talked about this before on the program when we've highlighted cars like this. And this one is is almost really the the super uh, example of this is it's so the car is two years old it's basically brand new it's got ten miles on it so what do you do with a car like that Roger do you buy it and drive the hell out of it do you drive buy it and put only a hundred miles a year on it or do you just buy it and keep it in a time capsule and then try to sell it for two hundred thousand in another fifteen years what do you do with a car that's only got ten miles on it like that. It, it 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 really comes down to the individual, but I, I kind of call it the, the uh, there's this I, I call it the Barry Jackson effect. These, these cars, these people think that they're going to be worth so much yeah. money, so they mothball them. So the problem with mothballing these modern cars is these electronics are so finicky yeah. that who's to say if you mothball this car, 
and you bring it out in 20, 25 years. It's going to work. It's going to all be good. <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. It's a, it's a drag car. So I, 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 we, my buddies and I, we have conversations about this all the time. And even on Lou's channel, on, on my car story. Yeah. If you, moth, if you mothball these cars, it, there is no car story. There, period. Go out and make some memories. Go try. The car is built to be beat on. Yeah. Go drive it. And take it down the drag strip, and then get get kick some of that rubber up on the quarter on the quarter panel. And e- even if you're gonna only take it to the drag strip, at least go do that. Go do something with these cars. It, 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 it's got round tires for a reason. So they're made go to roll, it. right? Not to get flat yeah, spots go, on them. Go use it. And, and who, there's no guarantee that these things are going to be collectible. I mean, yeah, I mean, the demon really has already shown that it does have collectability. I mean, here, the, the car stickered at 91500 I don't know what the guy actually paid for it. They're trying to get 129 but once they take their, their cut, you know, the guy might only make supposedly, you know, only make maybe 20 grand on it, if that. Well, I can tell you this. I can tell you this. And you follow the collector car stuff with the with the magazines like Hemmings and stuff like that. I got to tell you, for the longest time, the 78 Corvette Pace car, there are so many that came out of mothballs. The black and, and, it's, and, it's, and the black the and black silver and one? Silver yeah. With the, yeah, with the, with the red pinstripe on the outside yeah. of the wheel, the L82 with the silver interior, and that... That was the first year for the bubble back window, and it had the special seats for the pace car. And people thought those cars were going to be so collectible. And they're they like okay, a ZR1 Corvette in 1990. That car was $70,000 in 1990, and I specifically remember people paying a hundred grand for it. And, and now, now you can you get them for twenty grand. You can see them on Bring a Trailer. So there yeah. is, and that was the king of the hill. Remember yep. they called that car yep. the king of the hill. Mm-hmm. It had more horse, it, it ended up having more horsepower than the Viper by the time 1992 came around. It was only five more horsepower. But, and that was a lot of horsepower back then, 405. Like, well, it was one of the first, do, uh, I think it was probably the first mass produced American double overhead cam naturally aspirated well, in, v8 in, in, at the time yeah, it was with, like in conjunction with lotus and mercury marine yeah so i know yeah, i know mercury Marine, but it was yeah. still you know it was built here it was made in i think minnesota was the engine because we did a feature yeah. on that on on the car guys I report do here that show. yeah I do remember where, that. where i just highlighted a little bit of the history of making the engine at the mercury marine thing and yeah that car was state-of-the-art it was unbelievable but you know having owned a 90 now like I said, twenty grand. You can get you can get zero once for about twenty thousand if you're lucky, but twenty no more than like so, thirty, and you might find one with so, super low mileage that somebody might be trying to get fifty for. But even there then, that's a stretch. There was one I bring a trailer that there was one I bring a trailer that was up to forty thousand dollars and had super low miles. Yeah. But if you paid seventy for the car in nineteen ninety, and then you got one that's coming out of mothballs, and it's only you basically you you have thirty years of no experience with the car, and I don't I just don't understand. Maybe because I'm never going to be in a position to be somebody that can buy an investment car. <laughs> but like I said, the tires are round. For oh, every reason. yeah. But Gold the other thing you memory. you talk about the electronics, even if the electronics, you know, more or less would be okay. You know, you'd have to. I would worry more about just deterioration of electrical connections and things like that. But then there's still just the mechanical uh, aspects of it. You know, fluid change. Even though you know stuff, modern stuff has synthetics in it. I mean, brakes have to be exercised. Suspension should be moved around. The shocks, you know, should be yeah. moved around. Everything mechanical. Who, who wants to do a fluid? Who wants to do a fluid service once a year for twenty years? That isn't that yeah. just a waste of product. I know. It's well, a plus, waste of plus doing a fluid service just if you're not driving a car, I don't. 
don't think it does any good because you're still not getting, you know, any you condensation and things up, like that. Yeah, you got to get that out of there. Exactly. So I can't relate to it because I'm a driver. I, my Grand National I had for five years. I put 35,000 miles on it with a three season driver. Yeah. And uh, that, that's it's a car. It's go and make memories with the car. I think you know, I would just I, I would yeah. just never buy a car like that, you know, with super low mileage, because I'm with you, even, I mean, granted, you know, here's the, you know, I'm talking, you know, I have, I own a lot of cars, so I don't drive each one of them a ton of miles a year, but I still try to put, if I'm lucky, at least a thousand miles a year on each one of my cars, my collector cars. And that's pretty reasonable mileage. You know, it's not like I'm driving only a hundred miles a year. And they're meant to be driven, and that's what everyone always says. It's the best exercise, the best way to preserve your car is to drive it because you're just keeping everything working like it should. So didn't want to get too bogged down on that, but I thought that it was a, it was a, a, a good car that fit in for our topic on uh, Modern Muscle here. And, and if you're ever interested, like I said, you know, bring a trailer. Roger's mentioning that. We talk about bring a trailer all the time here on Car Guys Report because it's a great place to uh, to see what's for sale, get a good idea of what stuff is selling for. Hemmings is a great uh, resource. And a lot of these, uh, you know, there's a ton of um, consignment places around now, too. And GR Auto Gallery, just because I've had a good experience with them, they have, I think, right, you know, recently over uh, the last few months, they've had as many as 40 Corvettes for sale. So not that they specialize they in anything, but they, they do tend to get a lot of Porsches and a lot of Corvettes, plus a ton of other stuff, too. So I would definitely recommend checking out uh, their website if you have a chance, too. If you like the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, and we certainly hope that you do because you're listening to us, be sure to check out some of the other fine programs that are available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the show Back to You. It's an Opie show. Legendary Chicago TV personalities Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville talk about their daily adventures and the long list of things that bug them. You can listen to Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits, and that's where you'll find this podcast. The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, Mark Vernon, along with our man in the field, Roger Rexroad. Uh, Lou taking a little bit of time off, and we've welcomed uh, Roger back into the studio via the phone. And... Um, we're talking uh, today about modern muscle cars. Now, we've kind of talked about, you know, what's available domestically in the U.S. And since, uh, obviously, Roger, we have a worldwide audience, um, we'd like to uh, say hi to our uh, listeners in Canada, Australia, and Luxembourg, too, because uh, we have uh, had listeners in all of those places. Thanks so much for being loyal listeners to the Car Guys Report. European muscle. Now, is there such a thing what you would call European muscle cars. Absolutely. Uh, AMG Mercedes, yep. Uh, yep. they they have the hand-built great engines, and they they sound absolutely phenomenal. They, they have a little bit of a different tone than an American V8, but it's still a V8, and it's got <laughs> those engines have a lot of attitude, the V12s as well. Um, but those are usually more in the higher-end cars and like the G-Wagons, but AMG, AMGs are basically a... A German muscle car. Can they go around corners? Sure. But they are known for straight line uh, army they, burners. Well, AMG has definitely uh, picked up the uh, pace as far as uh, corner cornering and handling because with the new like yeah, the AMG too. GT and GTR which they compare now to the, the, the Porsche 911, that's a pretty serious mm-hmm. track car these days. 
Yeah, it is. It's a tra- it's an AMG uh, GTR. I know uh, uh, Lou had one on his uh, channel. Yeah. That car sounds phenomenal. And, and I mean, yeah, real quick on the on the exhaust note, what you're talking about is I read recently in one of the car magazines that they're saying that, you know, AMG is using that, that four-liter um, twin-turbo V8, which is a yep. phenomenal engine. And they said that for some reason Mercedes is like the only manufacturer that can make their – their four-liter turbo, twin-turbo V8 sound like it doesn't have turbos on it because turbos naturally act as mufflers, and right. they just have the sound down. And, and my favorite AMG story is when I purchased, um, you know, I factory-ordered my uh, Mercedes E550 coupe, and I was at the dealer getting the oil changed or something, and they had <clears throat> inside, they had a brand-new uh C63 AMG. This is like a, it was like a 2014 brand new customer ordered car. It was this, um, it was Magno, I think it was Magno, uh, I think it was Magno White is what I want to say. He was either White Pearl or Magno White. I can't remember. But then it had like mm-hmm. this white and black interior. And my sales lady was saying that, um, yeah, we got, we, just, we have this car and we're not sure if the guy's going to end up buying it because there was some issue with his financing or something. It was like a $95,000 car. She goes, well, you can get in and start it up if you want. And we're and I'm inside, not like in the garage, but they have kind of this like, you uh, interior place like where you, you you first bring your car in when the service advisor meets you and you get out of your car it's got like the tile floor and stuff so i get in the c63 mg and this one had this before the turbos so this had this the real this still had the 6.3 liter naturally aspirated 500 yeah and i just hit that start button and this thing sounded like an f1 car just shrieked to, to life it was incredible it was so cool it's echoing and reverberating off the walls and stuff and i'm like yeah that is yeah, that's power man i'm telling you and you're right it's it was like same, 507 uh, horsepower application of a muscle car it's yeah it a, is a, a, bru- a a powerful engine that is built to go like a bat out of hell in a straight line. That's exactly what those cars do best. And a BMW M series fit fit into that as well, right? Uh, they have V8 uh, M3s, which is a little sacrilege. I love M3s, by the way. Okay, uh, yeah. I guess you could call it a um, a muscle car because wait, because you said they don't put the V8 in; they put the six in. Well, they had a V8, Did, the E92 uh, that they made for a couple years. Okay, they had the, long time uh, ago, though, V8. right? Yeah, uh, not that long ago, like 10 years ago. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah, the, the E92 had the, uh, had the V8, and it had, uh, it had an 8,400 RPM red line. I remember that, yeah. I know the, I know the V10 that they were putting in the uh, 5 Series for a while, and in the, um, the, and then in the, the uh, 6, yeah. uh, what is it, the, uh, it was the 6... The 640, I think it was, or the 645. The two-door, the big two-door coupe had that V10 in it, too. And that thing redlines at, like, 8,500. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, the BMW V10, it does sound... I've, I've watched videos on YouTube where they've done exhaust systems, and they... It's a V10, so it has that F1-sounding engine. Yeah. Now, I have this on our outline, uh, Roger, and I wanted to ask you about this. A non-car guy friend of mine... Uh, back a few years ago when he first saw my um, Mercedes, I was talking, you know, telling him about it. And I have a 2013 Mercedes-Benz E550 Coupe. So it's the E-Class, but it's the Coupe, which you don't see that many of. And it's the 550. So it has the 4.6 liter twin turbo 
um, V8 in it, for, rated at 402 horsepower, 443 pound-feet of torque. It's my understanding that, as you know, uh, BMW and Mercedes tend to underrate their published horsepower figures. So mm-hmm. it, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm thinking it might have 5 to 8% more. So conservatively, it probably has 430 to 440 horsepower out of the box, completely stock. Now, that was one of the, at the time, that was one of the only models that Mercedes did not offer an AMG package on for for whatever reason. You can get an AMG four-door E-Class. You can get the AMG um, uh, station wagon, but you could not get a, a uh, an E-Class coupe as an AMG. So that's why I wanted the big engine in it. So even though mine is not an AMG, but it's still a twin-turbo V8 in a two-door E-Class, would you consider that to be a, a European muscle car? Because that's what my friend said. He goes, oh, it's like a German muscle car. And I said, you know, you might be right. <laughs> um, I guess if you want, I guess let's look at it like this. You have a scat pack. Let's look at your Mercedes as maybe the RT version of the Challenger. Yeah. How about that? Well, the, the, the interesting thing, too, is, though, actually my E-Class Mercedes and my Challenger share componentry the rear suspension, and other parts from when when Daimler owned Chrysler back in the late 2000s. So that's one thing I think that unconsciously or subconsciously steered me towards the Challenger is the fact that it has some Mercedes DNA in it as well. So, Absolutely. yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, I have the spoiler on the back, although it's a little lip spoiler, but that was, a, a, you know, an option. Yeah, it's not the highest horsepower version. But, but, it's, 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 but it I tell you, though, v- Roger. It has I, a V8. Yeah, I've never had that car to the track but from what i can glean and what i've read my and i would i would say i'm not bullshitting anybody my mercedes in straight line acceleration will go up against my challenge my challenger any day because they'll, well, Mark, they'll both I, turn zero to, willing to yeah i mean to help me out right <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll come out. We'll, we'll go. Out, we'll go do a drag race, and we'll find. Hey, uh, the compound is over in industrial sub, and on a Sunday it's kind of low key. You and I, we'll just do a little. Uh, although, but it, uh, folks, everybody listening, Mark and I are going to go to Mexico and yeah. do the race, and then we'll tell you how it happened. Yeah, because the Mercedes published a zero to sixty time of my car at four point nine, but that's a published figure from the factory, so they're going to be very conservative. Um, I know the top speed of my car is limited to 135. I believe the top end of the Challenger is like 180 uh, from what I've tried to glean online. For what it's worth. But I, but I did worth, read that supposedly, though, wait, supposedly there was one guy in one of the Mercedes forums that, and he had the slip to prove it, he said that he turned a 12.5 at 100 and uh, I think it was like 112 or 113 miles an hour in the E550 coupe. And I wouldn't doubt that because when you when you nail the throttle on that thing and those turbos are just spooled up, that thing is a rocket, and it just I'm still sure, blows sure me away is. how quick it is. I think the man, I think the man, real quick. I think the manufacturers are pretty accurate. I had a, a Chrysler Crossfire with the uh, with the manual transmission, and and actually in the owner's manual it, it showed the. Uh, quarter mile time was uh, fourteen nine at ninety five miles an hour. Yeah. I ran a fourteen eight at ninety four, so I went a tenth of a second faster and one mile an hour slower, and it was pretty damn consistent. So I just yeah, I just I just think that when they publish a figure like that from the factory, they're going to be conservative because they want to make sure that you know some grandpa who's eighty years old <laughs> can, can turn a four point nine as 
as well as a 20 year old kid and if they don't you're like i paid 80,000 for this car and it's only a zero to 60 and 5.1 i want my money back you know so i'd like to meet that guy actually yeah. that's cool. <laughs> well it'll be me in about 30 years so uh, we, we need we need we need more seasoned citizens like that on the road that's great <laughs> that'll be me in in 25 years so um but um no it's just I, I just just for the heck of it i just wanted to bring that up because i never looked at my car as being being a, a european version of a muscle car but i know that it's i look at it as more of being the classic sleeper because it's a beautiful looking car right. but it just doesn't scream speed until you really you know get your foot into it and and you realize i one one great story though that i had real quick and then we'll, we'll move on to the next topic but um this was maybe six months after I, I purchased the car. I was at a stoplight with my and my girlfriend was in the car. I was in the Mercedes, and there's a guy in a Mustang GT next to me, and we're kind of looking at each other. And, and that and that guy's like revving his engine and stuff, and I'm just like playing it cool. And the uh, light turns green, and I just dump it. And I didn't even like totally floor it, but I just like put my foot into it, and I just like totally blew him away in the in the first you know. <laughs> 300 feet or not even i was like already ahead of him and and then the the road merged so he had to get behind me and there's a guy in a minivan (laughs) pulls up alongside of me and he's he's laughing and he's pointing at him going ha ha you know you beat him (laughs) it's hilarious that's great it was those those are great little stories like little life victories exactly yeah and i told my i told my um I told my uh, my sales lady at the Mercedes dealer about it. I said, first on race day? I doubt it. <laughs> That's hilarious. So <laughs> uh, we have sanitized all our OPI shows for your protection, but you should still be wearing a mask. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19 by following the CDC guidelines. You'll be saving the world and also be sure to wash your hands. And, you know, Roger, that's what I'm going to be doing. I've heard you sucking down probably what is a giant sticky Mountain Dew there in the background. And I'm going to go wash my hands. We'll have to take a break, but we'll be right back. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, we're going to have some words of wisdom from Warren Buffett. We're getting heady on this show. We always have been. And Steve's story about how he was terrorized when he was a kid. Can't wait to hear this stuff. On the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just Search for Radio Misfits. On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, we interview the author of such hits like Only Dead on the Inside, A Parent's Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse, and France Like No One's Watching. We interview James Breakwell. Listen to Minutia Men Celebrity Interview on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, for this special episode of Modern Muscle Cars. We've talked about uh, modern U.S. muscle cars, European muscle cars. And is there such a thing, Roger, as an Asian muscle car? I would think that the Nissan, Absolutely. Nissan Absolutely. GTR is the one that kind of sticks in my mind right away. Um. Yeah, I, I could see. Well, it, it's an all-wheel drive vehicle, but it is rear-wheel rear drive bias. And 
Now, Mark, it's got a V6. Now you It does, you're right. It, but it's got the classic muscle car look. It's got the long hood, short deck, the little quarter window, high-performance drivetrain. Oh, it's and got super it's high horsepower, year. too, like 535 there, there, or whatever it is. Depending on the year, yeah. you can go anywhere from 480 to 600. Yeah. But let, let's talk about the little bit lesser-known uh, Asian muscle cars. What do you think about the Lexus ISF? Um. I've got a, a friend of mine that's got an IS. He doesn't have the ISF, but that, mm-hmm. they were slotting the V that five liter V eight into that thing, weren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's a four hundred and sixty. Yeah, five liter. Yeah, four sixty seven to four seventy five, whatever. Because I think they bumped it up a little bit now. I think it's like four seventy five, but it's naturally aspirated. That's a great engine. Rare car. Yeah, it is. It's You're right. Going, and, and it's going away because it's going to be. And, and a lot of and I follow modern cars very closely, and a lot of people like they scoff at the ISF. They're like, "Well, it only has four hundred sixty seven horsepower, and this is dated, and that's dated." But you know what? All these people that are complaining about that car, what they don't realize that's going to be the last of the naturally aspirated V8 and you You're don't right. know what you got you don't know what you got till it's gone yeah. and that is a tremendous sounding engine and to curtail that what do you know about the Lexus LC500 well the yeah I, I was going to first touch on the RCF too which is the two door oh, yeah. coupe RCF. and you can Absolutely. still and, and the RCF has that 5 liter V8 in it only automatic yep. only though I don't think you, can, you can't get a, a sick uh, manual that's right but it's still yep. you know like you said it's it, and and all the car magazines say this car has great sound and the LC500 that is just one drop dead gorgeous car. I, I, you know, take away the, the, the overly large spindle grille in front, but it's a beautiful, beautiful car. And it, it's more of the gentleman's GT. Uh, actually, no, I haven't. Um, but I didn't it think it was as like. good as your scat pack. I'm not kidding. Really? I, I, you, you, folks out there listening to the, uh, to the show today, if you've never heard a Lexus LC500 exhaust note, you will be absolutely shocked at how great it really? sounds. It is, and they make a convertible of it. They now. just so introduced like it, yeah. Yeah, if you like convertibles, you put that top down, and you'll be able to hear it. That I don't know what Lexus did. They got some voodoo magic well, the, the, or something. The Asian, it sounds great. the Asian manufacturers are good at tuning their exhaust systems. One one uh, friend of mine told me because I had a. Um, a 2011 um, Infiniti uh, G37 coupe, and that has the had the 3.7 liter um, VQ uh, 37 or whatever V6, yeah, legendary engine. And they said, and he was telling me that supposedly Lexus spent I don't know how many millions of dollars tuning the exhaust sound so it would not sound that much like a V6. And that's one of the biggest things I hate about V6 is I just I just hate that 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 exhaust note that they have so they do the more uh, we talk the more v6s you find that sound good though we got your your, your vq uh the 3.5 and the 3.7 you got the the julia quadrifolio yeah that one's that's a good one the the, yeah. the, the four gt sounds tremendous Oh, they're they're out there, Mark. You just gotta like listen. <laughs> I gotta listen for them. Okay, I'll remember yep. that. But the LC five hundred too. I think that's and we're gonna touch on this um, in the next episode. We're gonna talk about uh, modern classics. Uh, just as a as a forethought here, um, the LC five hundred is not selling in huge quantities. I think I read recently that in the second quarter of twenty twenty. Um, 
Lexus only sold something like 175 or something of those. So if you're talking, of course, we're I know, but of course we're in, you know, weird times with the pandemic, but still, if you extrapolate that out, if they're selling less than a thousand of those a year, that's, that's going to be definitely a car to, to keep your, your eyes on. I've priced them on the used market. Cause I was, I was actually thinking if I could justify one, but I think used, even though I think the cheapest one I found was about 60,000 and it had a pretty high mileage on it already. It only had already had like 50 or 60,000 miles on it. So they're out there, but they really haven't diminished in value that much yet. Yeah. You can buy a car like that with confidence because it is a Lexus and you have Japanese quality. And then I know you've seen the interiors of those cars. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're beautiful. That is kind of my favorite, type of car i think is just like a, a true gt car something that's got a big engine uh, but it's more relaxed inside with a v- awesome mm-hmm. interior and i have a little bit of both you know between like the mercedes and the challenger and the aston and the porsche you know i got <laughs> a little bit of all that but how about muscle suvs or muscle trucks there's definitely a lot of those that we could uh, touch on uh, stuff that comes to my mind uh they made the ram srt v10 pickup for what like two or three years not too many years uh, the Ford Lightning uh, pickup truck, the GMC Cyclone was one of the very first ones back in what the nineties, mm-hmm. and then the then the yeah, high performance early, SUVs like the nineties, yeah, like the Porsche Cayenne Turbos, the Quadro, um, the uh, Alfa Romeo Stelvio Quadrifoglio that has that five hundred and five horsepower V six uh, twin turbo that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that as a subset of muscle cars, muscle trucks are, are actually a thing that we could say they do exist? Well, the Lightnings, uh, obviously, they haven't made them for a while. And, of course, Dodge has it because it's like, let's put a, a Hellcat engine and everything. Yeah, well, they, so, they're, uh, yeah, but Dodge is just bringing out the new, uh, it's the T-Rex. T-Rex. Yeah, and that yeah. has the Hellcat engine in the Ram. So it's kind of like the new mm-hmm. version I, of the I V10. I, I, I don't know what they were waiting for, but the SRT10... What, what's a little known fact about that? So they made a a regular cab mm-hmm. which had the Viper engine with a six speed manual. Wow! Then they had a then they had a quad cab with the Viper engine, and that was automatic only. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen the quad cab. I've seen the the two door versions, oh, yeah. and they have like the mm-hmm. short bed on them, right? Yeah, it's a standard yeah. like, six foot box. Yeah, and then I've never seen the 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 quad cab one, so that must be a pretty rare bird. Automatic only. Yeah. Well, the quad cab. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That is cool, mm-hmm. though, that, um, you know, it, it seems that that, again, uh, Fiat Chrysler is doing some interesting things because they've decided recently, too, that they're going to be putting the 392 V8 into the uh, Jeep Wrangler, which is um, they haven't officially announced it, I think, but they've teased it very heavily to compete with the new Bronco that's coming out, just to yeah, make it that's, a little that's bit their, different. That's their attempt at that's their attempt at to stop the bleeding with the yeah. popularity of the new Bronco. Yeah. So, um, but I like when a I, when a company does that when they take because I don't think it dilutes the other cars that they have out there when they have an engine, whether it's the you know the Hellcat they put in the in the Jeep uh, Cherokee for the the track uh, whatever they call that thing the track uh, Hawk. Track hawk. Or, yeah, whatever. Um, and well, they decide yeah, to yeah, put the a, three. That's the high performance. Yeah, version. I know, but I'm just saying though. And but then they decide to put the 392 in the Jeep and things like that. I, I think that's great because it just shows that they're serious about performance. And it's again, it's giving you uh, more choice as a buyer if you want the high performance, if you want the middle performance, whatever you want. 
They're offering but you G that. G people, do they need it? Do they? G, to me, I get the impression G people, and I'm sure we'll get emails on this. And I think I, I please do I email I, away. I think I can safely say this. I don't think G people give a rat's ass about a Hemi and a G. Well, I, but they want power, though, you know, and they're going to tune that thing and gear it to give you a lot of low-end grunt with all that torque. And then, you know, maybe there are some people that would also enjoy the the, the horsepower advantage of it as well. So I think, you know, I've never gone off You want power in something lifted that you want power in something that's well, I know you need, with a short I know you need, I know you need torque when you're off-road, you know, rock crawling and things like that. And if you gear it they properly, have, you might be able to... They have a four-cylinder, got a four-cylinder turbo, and I'm sure that's got down-low power. They have a V6. They have a... I know. I just think it's just, I, just I, I don't mind it at all. I just think it's another thing that that they're offering that, you know, whatever the take rate is going to be on it, whether it's going to be hundreds or thousands a year, I think it's it's if people want to pay the whatever it's going to be, an extra four or five grand or I don't know what it's going to be, but right. it's up to them, you know. I, I don't sure. have a problem with I, that at all. I think it's neat. Just as an outside observer to the Jeep community, I just don't. Uh, they they were already you know missed when they got rid of the inline six and in, in lieu of the uh, the, the V six yeah. so they're 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 probably just getting over that now and then now they're putting a Hemi in it and I'm sure there's a I'm sure there's people out there that just cruise around in their Jeep and they're like yeah give me a V eight and I'll put exhaust on it but I mean I, I'm looking at the the true enthusiast Jeep person and I really don't think they care about a Hemi they they don't need it they they the people that are rock crawling. They, they're gonna they're gonna do what they need to do to their vehicle to give them that little added low end torque and plus these jeeps are geared low where it's gonna maximize the power of whatever is under the hood so the heavy could be overkill for going rock crawling. No, I understand totally understand what you're saying and I don't I just don't think it's a bad thing because there are still some people that buy jeeps that don't take them off road and maybe they just okay, want that power. And that might even be the, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's the majority of them. Cause I know that, you know, the, the vast majority of people buying SUVs are, you know, don't take them off road. If you, if you go down a gravel driveway, that's the closest you're ever going to get to being <laughs> off road. I mean, yeah. and I, and I'm you a perfect gravel, example of that. I've owned a, mode. I've owned a Mitsubishi Montero. I've owned an Isuzu Trooper and I, I currently own the Porsche Cayenne and like I said, pr- pretty much the closest thing I've gotten to is maybe a gravel two-lane road somewhere. You know, I've I've never taken them off road. So um, there are people that probably just want the Jeep for, I, you know, I've got friends that have Jeeps as daily drivers, and they don't take them off road. They just like the Jeep. So maybe they would be the type that would want maybe a little bit more power or just the, the prestige of knowing that they've got that power under the hood. So just something to think about. But we can totally see that. You know, the muscle car world, modern muscle car world is, you know, who would have thought even 30 or 40 years ago that we'd be talking about, you know, muscle trucks, uh, Asian muscle cars, uh, European muscle cars turning out 600, 700 horsepower. The same thing with, you know, American muscle cars turning out 700 horsepower with a factory warranty. And it's interesting, even in my you know, owner's manual, and you've told me this before too, Roger, that when you were encouraging me to make sure I at some point take the Challenger to the track, that it's been designed that way. And and Dodge knows 
that you're going to be taking this car to the track and you're going to be beating on it. So at least hopefully they've 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 made, uh, you know, accommodations in its design to to uh, handle a lot of that uh, that power and that abuse. But they tell you strictly in the owner's mail, they say, like, don't take this. Basically, they say don't use line lock or don't use something or launch control until the car has at least I think it's 1500 miles on it. <laughs> Make sure it's, well, it's broken in. If you haven't, so a couple tips in closing, because I know we're getting ready to wrap up. When you go to the drag strip, you, the one thing you're going to have to have is a helmet. It's going to have oh, to yeah. have a certain, yeah. you're going to have to have a certain Snell number, but some tracks are a little more lenient on that. Um, it's, it, 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 the, the time is going to basically start when you break the beam. So even if you red light, it doesn't matter. You want to leave on the last yellow, um, just, you know, and you're not going to really need to use the line lock to burn your tires up because they're they're basically street tires. Yeah. You're just are are, are you going to get them a little stickier? Yes. But as far as getting that really hard launch, no. I think your launch I think your launch control will compensate because it knows that you have the the, the OEM tires. So yeah. I would do a little practice in Mexico with the uh, launch control <laughs> and, and, and do that before you go. It's a feature that you do want to use on the car because you want to get the maximum, you know, maximum time out of your car. It's fun. Just put it in drive and just. Well, I have, yeah, I have a launch control on the, uh, Porsche as well, and I've never used it on there. So, and it's supposed to be brutal on that car because it's. I have the Carrera Four, and it's supposed to be mm-hmm. just with the PDK, and it's supposed to be brutal on that because it just you know the thing your tack just flies up to red line basically and just hammers those shifts away. So, yeah, well, I think see, the line lock is just drive. Yeah, it is. So it's really going to put the power down without a lot it, of drama. It it all out. For yeah, you. that's that's a, that's a win win because you got all wheel drive and launch control, so it's it's got everything sorted out for you. And I think line lock on the Challenger is just to show off. <laughs> Show your friends. They know their customer base. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's cool. Um, if you're listening to the Car Guys Report, of course, we know that you are because you are listening to us right now. You can get us on Spotify, opishows.com, or uh, wherever you find podcasts, places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Android, Stitcher, Blueberry, and iHeartRadio. Wherever you find podcasts, to search Radio Misfits. And when you do listen to us, please uh, subscribe. You'll get an automatic push notification every time there's uh, new content, which is weekly we uh, have new content showing up on tuesdays now so your week just got better and also too, feel free to leave us some positive reviews on apple Podcasts. we certainly would appreciate your uh, kind words and just remember too that uh, podcasting with the uh, radio misfits podcast network is entirely free and it's podcasting and listening on your own terms whether you're in the park in the car at home in the office wherever you are you can listen to us on whatever kind of uh, device you have whether you're listening in the car via Android Audio or Apple CarPlay, on your phone, on your tablet, on your laptop, at home on the desktop. It's listening at your own terms. Uh, You can fast-forward, rewind, replay, do whatever you want. That's what podcasting is all about with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, and that's what we're all about, too. The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, wanted to talk quickly about... um, 
Lou's uh, Costable's uh, YouTube channel, Lou's away for a little bit, but he'll be coming back in a couple of episodes. He has a great YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou. He's got over uh, 1,500 car videos, 85,000 subscribers, some incredible cars. And whenever Lou is on the program, we play the Car Guys Report guessing game, where Lou gives me three cars that he's featured on his uh, channel, and I have to try to guess which one had the most views. And sometimes I hit it out of the park, and other times, well, I don't do that well. So that's the exciting thing, because sometimes there's the cars that you think are going to bomb, and they do great, and vice versa. So if you haven't checked it out, please do head on over to YouTube and hit My Car Story with Lou. You'll definitely like what you see. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Roger Rexroad, our man in the field, will be back. We're going to talk about modern classics with Roger, but uh, Roger wanted to say thanks so much for joining us for this episode on modern muscle cars here on the Car Guys Report, and we're looking forward to having you back for the next episode. You're welcome. Great. Always good to have you along there, Roger. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and taking us along for the ride for this episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opie is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place, and that would be Radio Misfits. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of OPI Productions. Tony, can you shut up? I'm Kimmy. I'm Tommy. And I'm Sam. And on this week's episode of And Friends, we expose ourselves in public. That's right. I got a trench coat and I'm ready to open it. Then I filmed it. I opened it up to everyone. Listen to And Friends on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. We'll talk about the teams that are doing surprisingly well. And one particular team that I pick for the top six. Are they for real or not? You'll find out. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, continues his visit as we talk about modern classics. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and our man in the field for this very special episode of the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.